on this episode of That Was a Show. Camp Wilder was a show. In this 1992 sitcom, after the death of her parents, a 28-year-old single mother moves back to her hometown to be the guardian of her two teenage siblings. Because of her young age and laissez-faire style of parenting, the house becomes a safe haven for a gaggle of teens. Join Bryn, Aaron, and Barry as they find out what it's like to hang out at Camp Wilder. <laughs> we grew up during peak sitcom, Seinfeld, Friends, The Fresh Prince. But those shows were diamonds in the rough. This podcast is not about those diamonds. It's about the rough. Some sitcoms were briefly popular in their time. Some were cancelled almost immediately. You probably won't recognize most of these, and you'll ask, that was a show? That was a show? The podcast about failed or forgotten sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, starring... Bryn Burney, Aaron Yeager, and Andrew Helmer as Barry. A Radio Gizmo production. <laughs> Hi friends, Barry here. Just a quick disclaimer before this week's episode. I recently adopted a cute little rescue kitty. You may hear some tiny meows in the background as she gets used to me podcasting instead of showering her with constant love and affection. Please ignore her tiny but adorable please. She's fine. <laughs> hey guys, what's going on? Oh, you know, it's Sunday. We're doing a podcast. That whole it thing. Is. Yes, indeed. Indeed. We're it's, tired. Uh... We got up uh, very early. Bryn came out to support me. I went for a run this morning. First in-person race in more than two years. Ugh, he has to brag about his race. Why would somebody do that voluntarily? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though, I'm very proud of Aaron. He's you know, taken his running hobby to like new levels. He's become very, um, very fast and very proficient. It's <laughs> very fast. I like that. Yeah. He is though. He's, you, uh, you would not know it to look at him, but he can run really <laughs> fast. Uh, that's a great, that's one of my favorite Seinfeld references. For all you kids out there, uh, Seinfeld, is now on Netflix, so you should, instead of listening to this, you should just probably turn it off and just go put on Seinfeld. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. I wonder uh, I wonder if the youngins are going to take to Seinfeld like they did Friends, like, a while back, you know? Maybe. I mean, I, yeah. it's, hard, it's hard to say, because, like, I, I, like many people, I just threw it back on and started watching it, and I was kind of amazed, like, how quickly it gets funny. Like, yeah. not that it's, like... You know, the pilot is funny and all that, but like when you're watching it, you're like, okay, there's a lot to work out here. But like three, four episodes in, they're firing on all cylinders. And by the time the second season starts, like it's really good. Yeah. yeah. By the time they figure out that the Jerry Elaine relationship should not be some sort of will they or won't they, and that <laughs> Elaine yeah. should not be treated the way women mm -hmm. are in most sitcoms at that time as the like, mm -hmm. oh, you guys character. Like once they realize, no, no, no. She's the best slapstick and ridiculous comic out of all of them. Then it's just. Yeah. Just. Yeah. It's just so it's off to the races. Yeah. And, and once Kramer, uh, they realize he's not going to stay in his apartment the whole time. Like yeah. Kramer's Kramer starts the, the show as a shut in. But obviously that does not last for more than a few. He episodes. does. Yeah, uh, Jerry in the first episode. In the first episode, he claims that Kessler, Kessler, not Kramer, Kessler hasn't left his oh, apartment in, in ten years. Wow. Yeah, that's a wild thing. And he's yeah, and like he's very much an outside character uh, in the first season. Like he isn't. He's Jerry's neighbor only. He's not friends with George or Elaine. He comes in and they're there, but they don't really have a relationship with him. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. Apparently, the Seinfeld uh, network order after the pilot was mm -hmm. and still holds the record to date as the smallest order for a TV <laughs> comedy ever. Because after the pilot, they ordered four episodes. Four episodes. Yeah, because like the first season is like five episodes, right? And including the including the pilot. Yes. And yeah. 
the network was like salty on basically everything they were trying to do until the ratings got huge. Like they just never had faith that any of these ideas would work out. And apparently like when they submitted the the Chinese restaurant episode, which today is remembered as one of the most innovative things that mm -hmm. they did and something that like a lot of shows have copied that kind of let's have it take place in real time in one location sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like they almost canceled the series after that. Yeah, they were like, what is this just like, bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. are you guys doing, you amateurs? Get off our network. <laughs> instead of instead of like what networks do now where they're like, oh, you wrote a bottle episode. You're building one set and that's it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Look at all the money they're saving. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So this week on That Was a Show, we decided to cover Seinfeld, which was a really. <laughs> <laughs> because this podcast is about. Failed or forgotten sitcoms. And oh, okay. And, so it's and, and, and it is both, obviously. Obviously. Uh, what, did, what did we actually cover, Barry? <laughs> so this week we watched Camp Wilder. Uh, it's a show that I mostly picked because of the cast. And, you know, it was a TJF show, so I kind of felt like it would be an easy watch. And, you know, it, it was. It was pretty easy to watch. Um, I'll do a little... Tell everybody, yeah, tell everybody what it's about. Yeah, what's it about? Yeah. The show centered around the Wilder family. After the death of her parents, single mother Ricky, played by Mary Page Keller, moves back to her hometown with her young daughter Sophie, played by Tina Majorino. There she is tasked with raising her two teenage siblings, 16-year-old Brody, played by Jerry O'Connell, and her young teen sister Melissa, played by Megan Haldeman. Rounding out the cast are Brody's best friends, Danielle, played by future Oscar winner Hilary Swank, Beth, played by Margaret Langrick, and Dorfman, played by Jay Moore. The show mostly centers around the type of household Ricky cultivates by her laid-back and trusting style of parenting, which makes for a home that Ricky and his friends feel comfortable hanging out and being themselves in. The show lasted for 20 episodes, but only 19 aired. We watched the pilot and episode 17, Love Sticks. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> so uh, what happens in the pilot? Well, so the pilot kind of plays around with the premise a bit by having it tested right off the bat. Danielle's mom starts to object to her hanging around this house after finding out that Ricky watch it, lets them watch R-rated movies, specifically Thelma and Louise, which she objects to like crazy. Feeling that perhaps she's not being a good parental figure, Ricky decides to try to flex this by forbidding Brody from going to the biggest party of the year. If he goes, she claims she'll send him to live with Grandma. The two clash, and Brody goes anyway. After returning from a very wild but mostly uneventful thematically party, she grounds <laughs> him and schedules a dinner with Grandma to get her advice. After realizing that Brody is doing just fine under her tutelage, and realizing that there are different parenting styles, she actually apologizes to Brody, which is a kind of a weird reversion to how these stories play out usually. In a subplot, Sophie is told by her Aunt Melissa that the Tooth Fairy comes at night and removes your teeth, and she becomes fascinated with teeth. That, that's, uh, that's actually the whole subplot. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the whole Thelma and Louise thing really... I, I was very confused by that because it is really not that edgy a movie at all. Like, yes, there's crime, there's like a murderer, but it's like not violent, violent, you know? It mm -hmm. it, it makes me it's wonder swearing pretty much, but Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like, you know, it's a movie where gender norms and like like are questioned and like feminine it's like kind of a feminist movie it's about like a female friendship mm -hmm. and whatever so mm -hmm. maybe that's what danielle's mom had a problem well, with maybe I don't know. maybe Barry. I, I, I think it's a perfect example actually it took me a while to really get it but i was like you're right like it's basically showing that she's like she's letting them watch r-rated movies but she doesn't it uh, she knows that thelma and louise isn't really a big deal for them to see because like it is a good, you know, it has a good message and it is a feminist movie and like the girls really react to it. So it's like it shows that she is doing fine because it's yeah. not like she's just arbitrarily banning them from watching things. But mm -hmm. yeah, at first I was like, what? What's with all this discourse on Thelma and Louise? Yeah, they, they make such a meal out of uh, yeah. references to Thelma and Louise. Barry, can you mm -hmm. settle a bit of confusion I have over character ages? 
I don't know if I trust Wikipedia on you can't. this it's wrong. part of the explanation. There's, uh, yeah, the Wikipedia descriptions are wrong in general. Uh, Brody, Brody is probably 16, 17. They don't really get into it. Uh, I think Melissa, they say she's 13, but I don't think she is. Um, but then Wikipedia also says that the girls are her friends. They're not. They're Brody's, Brody's friends. friends. Okay, yeah. this is something that Bryn and I were discussing, and I yeah, was under. Aaron was getting confused because there are too many brunette girls that look the same. Well, I went off. You know? the, I went off <laughs> the Wikipedia description where it presented yeah. the yeah. Hillary Swank character as being the younger sister's friend, and no. I'm like, she's literally the same age yeah. in real life as. Jerry O'Connell. As Jerry O'Connell. Like yeah. Both of them in real life were 18 when this was shot. Uh, yeah. But it's, I, I'm it's, willing it's, to believe that an 18-year-old plays a 16-year-old. Yeah. But I'm like, there's no way she's supposed to be 13 is there. Because no, it makes no, no she's sense. No, she's definitely Brody's age uh, because she goes to the party with Brody. And the right. sister doesn't. So that just shows okay. you. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, that- I actually can imagine the description being something a network understood. Because like they were like, well, the girls hang out with the girl, right? Uh, but yeah. really, it's kind of um, it's kind of like an unorthodox like group of friends you didn't really see on team on TV that much. Like they, Brody's, you know, has two female best friends along with Dorfman, and there's no romance between any of them. Yeah, um, they're just a group of friends who hang out, and like it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's nice, but also just. I think it's too many characters. It is too many characters. I think we could have there yeah. should have been like one girl, you know, like wh- like it should have been like I found the one character like sorry Beth, but she f- she felt superfluous, like you know, <laughs> they really yeah. should have just had like the um Danielle and Dorfman, you know. Yeah, yeah. It just I it think- felt too cluttered. It felt like too many, you know. I think the reasoning being, and you don't get a lot of this in the two episodes we watched, but at least from the premise of the show, it's basically because of how young Ricky is, teens feel comfortable hanging yeah. out there. Yeah. And there's a revolving door of them. Right. Like, Jer- apparently Jared Leto is on a few episodes as somebody who just hangs yes. out at the house. Yes. Um, and it's just like, yeah, I agree. I think there's too many of them. Uh, I bet you, you would have seen, but you would have seen Beth go away. Um. Uh, as the show went on. Maybe, yeah. I think but it, she's in the main titles. No, I'm saying like if the show got picked up for another right, season, maybe. you would you would you would have seen the writer off because yeah. yeah. Because like what are you gonna do when the other kids get friends? You're gonna have more and more yeah, kids hanging out in the house? It's too many damn kids, man. Yeah. I tend to agree that the main cast seemed a little too big and complicated. I don't mind the the idea that there's like a revolving door of other teenagers. As mm-hmm. like people who are come and go in various episodes, but yeah, I agree. It got confusing, and if you are going to have that big of a cast, at least choose actors who aren't all the same type. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I, like all. I, how many thin brunettes can you fit into I, one yeah. house? <laughs> yeah, and it's I, like I, I, yeah, and then the sister is also complicates things. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but now that you've cleared up the age thing. Yeah. Now I think the Thelma and Louise plot makes even less sense because if there's an objection to a 13-year-old watching Thelma and Louise, I can kind of see how you'd pull on that thread. But if they're supposed to be friends with the Jerry O'Connell character, mm-hmm. then they're definitely mature enough to watch that movie. Yeah. The show knows that, but they're saying that she has a protective mother who won't let her watch R-rated movies. Oh, yeah. I, get, I get that. The show, because- the show understands that there's no problem with them watching it. In fact, I was really interested to see in this that I, I kept seeing, I kept thinking like it was thumbing its nose at things, but it was really just being like kids are, you know, let sixteen-year-old kids are more mature than TV usually gives them credit for. Right. And this show was kind of doing that, like where it was like, no, no, they're all fine because when they go to that big party, it's outrageous, but like nothing bad happens. Yeah. They don't have to learn any lessons or anything. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> well, that makes sense, but I guess the fact that Ricky has her confidence in parenting affected by this. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like she may have not needed to to react so much to like, okay, this one this one girl's parent doesn't like the idea of her letting them watch Thelma and Louise. 
maybe she would have just brushed that off. Like it, it kind of seemed like the fact that she was even willing to go along with questioning yeah. like, oh, am I wrong? Mm -hmm. Is a little unbelievable. Shifting gears slightly, the opening titles are like uh, the most early 90s thing I've ever seen in my life. It's like the, <laughs> the type of that font. It's like the typographical equivalent of like a neon rollerblading outfit. Mm -hmm. yeah. They also do the Arrested Development thing, which explains the convoluted cast. Because the the in the opening credits, yeah, it specifies who everyone is. Who's everybody's relationship to Ricky right. is, yeah. which is what they do with Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah, and I think it works on Arrested Development, but here it's clearly like, oh, we got to explain who all these different brunette white girls are. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> like, it's just a weird, it's very weird. Uh, mm hmm yeah, it's all it's a it's also a wolf. It's a wolf theme. Yeah, it's a wolf theme. Yeah. Shout out to Jonathan Wolf once again. Yeah, and it's it's a really it's a theme that perfectly captures that. I guess mm -hmm. it's kind of like a skateboarder surfer sort of vibe from in mm -hmm. that in that early nineties yeah. framework. It, it almost feels like the theme is is very Dorfman connected. <laughs> and okay, why is he just Dorfman? <laughs> Because he, because he's a sitcom character. Yeah, he's just Dorfman. Now, is it the fact that this was 1992 mm -hmm. and, you know, we obviously uh, ran our mouths a bit about Seinfeld in the opening of this episode. Yeah. Was it like trying to be like a teenager ripoff of a Kramer type? Like Maybe. Dorfman. Well, I mean, Kramer's a type himself, right? So, Kramer, you know, like Dorfman, Kramer was coming into it anyway. Like it's a... Uh, or it, it fits a role, like an yeah. Urkel, a Fonz, uh, you know, he's yeah. the he's the funny one. They were right? trying, like, yeah, they were trying to do that breakout yeah. neighbor yeah. character. But I, I just mean that Kramer was the only one who literally had no first name at the time. And of course, later on, we learned that it's Cosmo Kramer. But in 1992, yeah. it yeah. was just Kramer. Right. I feel like Dor I feel like they actually do give Dorfman a name. I just didn't bother to learn it. Yeah, <laughs> no, it wasn't worth it. Um, it was it's funny because he he's you know Jay Moore's great he's and he's he's has some really funny line deliveries in this too. Yeah. I found it really interesting that the show kind of kept surprising me and like how grounded it actually was cuz even like Dorfman as outrageous as he was like mm -hmm. he was still you know it was season 1 so maybe this sort of changed but he was still like clearly just a human like normal person he's just kind of a little weird. Yeah. I mean, okay, so if anyone out there has heard of the expression or genre of a hangout show, but mm -hmm. hasn't seen one, this is a hangout show. Like, this is yeah, the- Yeah, very much so. You know, this is like the embodiment In of the, the 1990s hangout literal show. literal sense. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. This is, because it was a TGIF show, this is definitely like, I would say the, the most hangout TGIF show I've seen. It's yeah. not very mm -hmm. plot. It's not necessarily plot driven so much as it is just let's hang out with these characters while they're hanging out together. Basically, did you guys think that the grandma character was going to show up in the pre the next episodes? Uh, originally, yeah, like I thought she was going to be a bigger part, but then when I was like doing research, I was like, oh, she literally was just in the pilot. Like I thought that was like their kind of way of being like, look, here's an older person, like. It seemed like mm -hmm. they were trying to get every age group covered with the like characters like they had the like young adults like they had Ricky and then they had a bunch of teens and then they had like <laughs> a tween and then they had the little girl and then they were like, oh, we need someone older. And so they threw grandma in the mix. And I thought for sure she was going to be a bigger part, but she wasn't. I feel like it was weird. The show felt meta in a weird way and that like I felt like bringing the grandma in was like, this is how the show usually would go. They, they would start living with grandma from this point on, but yeah. like, they're not. And then even like, they go on and on about how ridiculous grandma is. And then she comes on and like, she's just a sweet she's like, cool. person who's like, figure, you guys are going to be fine. Figure yourself out. <laughs> stuff out. <laughs> yeah, like, she's perfectly likable. Yeah. Yeah. On in every step of the way, the show, and, and I appreciate, I'm not knocking it for it. I appreciate in every step of the way, the show steps back. A, a, from being a sitcom cliche constantly it's yeah. just like it keeps making you think everybody's going to be so much more outrageous and ridiculous than they are yeah and then they all are reasonable people <laughs> <laughs>
was I the only one who clocked that uh, when it comes out that in the first episode, in the pilot, that Ricky Wilder is a registered nurse? Was I the only one who was like, but we just did a show about a registered nurse. Yeah. Yeah. And she also wore one of those weird dresses that I wasn't convinced were actually. Yeah. She wore a TV nurse dress. Yeah. <laughs> a part of the 90s. But whatever. Maybe, you know, anyone out there who's a nurse who is working in the 90s. Did you wear one of those silly little dresses? Like, was that a thing? <laughs> um, Absolutely. Fantastic reveal of her being a nurse, of her coming home from work, um, bundled up in a cloak, uh, and she's and they're like, oh, you know, how was your day? And she's like, it's terrible, you know, these people are, they're always pawing at me and, uh, and, and you know, leering at me and all these things. And then she takes off her thing and she's a nurse and she's like, oh, doctors. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's she, such like a, she set it up it, yeah. as if she worked with animals or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it was a, it was a good joke. Doctors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you thought like, oh, she's like a cocktail waitress, or she's like a you know. Yeah. But no, she's like a nurse, and yeah, it's <laughs> another an another great piece of exposition came in the first scene where um the uh, Melissa, the young one, the uh, the middle. Child? Yeah, Melissa. Melissa. Correct. Where Mel they Melissa's writing a poem for school, and she they ask her to read it, and she literally just sort of in like about a sentence and a half just sets up the status quo. Like she's just talking about like my parents are dead, uh, yeah. my sister's raising me, and I'm stuck with like my brother and his friends in this house. And I was like, very economically done show. <laughs> I like, mean, yeah, I, I found it a little annoying. Like, but. You know, yeah, they did. They doled out the uh, backstory in a very That's, concise way. It was I was I, it was wonderfully, wonderfully done exposition. Yeah. Re yeah, I really liked it. I'll give them this. It's a very lean show. Mm -hmm. It's, it's mm -hmm. written in a very lean, efficient way. Um, I wish I found it funnier. Yeah. I, yeah, I actually, I, I mean, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. I was surprised at how much I liked there it. There were two bits, though, two lines in the pilot that I did find kind of funny. Uh, one was that hot wire the car joke where <laughs> yeah, uh, the, uh, what's, it, uh, what's the character's name? The Jerry O'Connell character? Brody. Brody. Where Brody is, uh, you know, arguing that he should get to go to this party and uh, he wants the car keys and uh, she won't give him the car keys. So he like storms out the front door. He's like, well, I'm just going to hotwire the car. Storms out the door, slams the door like three seconds later, comes back in like I'm going to hotwire a car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, I really like that. Too. And then has to argue to get the car keys because obviously he's not going to do that. That that was funny. And then um, what, I'm trying to remember the, the context of this one, the really bad at analysis. It was it was a line from. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, from Dorfman. <laughs> where he says that Ricky is really bad at analogies. And I yeah, don't remember it, it, the exact lead up, but I thought that was like a funny aside from him. I like that too. There's also, Jay Moore has a really funny delivery of, she's the Brody and Ricky are talking about the party and like, she's like, what, you know, this sounds like one of those crazy parties where there's going to be like a hundred people there. And like Brody's like, no, there's not going to be a, like a hundred people there. It's going to be a lot more like, it's going to be more down earth. Right. Right. Dorfman. How many people are going to be there? And he's not paying attention. He goes, I don't know, like a hundred. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause he's kind of yeah. spaced out in a, yeah. in a 1992 <laughs> skateboarder cliche sort of way. Yeah. I guess my biggest critique of this was it felt like they were spending a lot of time developing like schmaltzy touching moments between the characters that felt like it was kind of just laying that laying that on a little thick for this early of a stage in a show where I'm like, I don't really know these people that well. And I need like way more laughs before I get to the point of like that level of intimacy. It was TGIF. That was that was yeah. built into the formula. and also. Nobody was serializing things then. So you, you, you want it, you're supposed to get it all in one half hour, no matter what. Right? Yeah. Right. I think the things that we found weird about this show were literally because it was TGIF. 
Like the mm-hmm. whole, like, you know, oh, you got to bring grandma in. You got to have multiple age groups. You got to have weird little touching moments and moralizing. Like that's baked into mm. the ABC TGIF formula. Like mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. have that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that's, those are probably like network notes. So those are probably like the things that had to be in there, even if that wasn't mm. like kind of true okay. to the tone that yeah. Matthew Carlson, the creator, was like setting with this series. Very fair point. Um, well, I mean, yeah. Matthew Carlson is, you know, he's came from the Wonder Years, right? So he yeah, was used to true. he was used to the schmaltz. Yeah, yeah. I I do feel like in the Wonder Years, though, there's something about the format of that show that's special. Like it kind of earns it because it kind of sets you up for like this is this is going to be a sentimental look back. At a time, yeah. Like well, it kind uh, of... well, I mean, Winnie's Winnie's brother dies in the first episode, right? Little bit of side research. You both may have discovered this, but evidently, this show started as a made-for-TV movie called yes. Camp Bicknell. Bicknell, yeah, I did see that. And also, um, apparently, <laughs> so Jay Moore was in that as well. Also mm-hmm. called but the Dorfman. Sisters were different. The sisters were actors, different. Yeah, but Dorfman was in it. Jay Moore, and apparently, I think that was his first role. Like Dorfman <laughs> is Jay Moore's uh, as a he was on MTV in some other like format, but in terms of like a scripted TV series type of thing like this, it was his first first role. That's weird, eh? Mm, interesting. His first role was Dorfman. Speaking of like network notes, that's a perfect uh, segue into the next episode we watched. Uh, so we watched episode 17, and it's very clear that there have been some changes behind the scenes. Yeah, there's some been uh, some retooling, <laughs> for sure. Uh, the first thing we find out immediately, uh, and I, I imagine it has happened episodes before this, but we find out that Ricky has quit her nursing job to follow her dreams to become an oceanographer. <laughs> and she works at a SeaWorld type place, which yeah. mm-hmm. I don't think that's the place for an oceanographer. I think they mean marine biologist, but well, okay. is she a marine biologist that studied oceanography? Is that is, or is that sure. our ignorance? I don't know. Like whatever. Sure. I don't sure. know. My beef would be that uh, she specifies that she has a bachelor of science degree in oceanography in the yes. dialogue. And yes. I'm like, then how were you ever a nurse? Yeah. Well, she. Well, I thought they were glazing over her nursing career, but they do bring it up later. Yeah, so at they least do. there's that. that yeah. So the thing that right away, as soon as I started watching that episode, I was so confused. I was like, oh, God, did they retool it and just like abandon yeah. her nursing, you know, mm-hmm. career like and not explain it? But then, of course, there is that scene where they're like, oh, you left that job to follow your dreams. Yeah. Da, 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 da. So, but yeah. uh, it still felt a little wedged in. Yeah, they explained still, it just poorly. It was, like, what it is was, the timeline of her w- education? Was she supposedly doing oceanography courses while she was working as a nurse? Did she also well, have the necessary education and training to be a nurse? Yeah, I or don't was know. she doing nursing off book? Yeah, <laughs> I don't yes. know. She also, and I loved finding this out halfway through the episode. She also has a penguin. Yes. Yes. She just, they had to add a penguin. Like, that seems like a very 90s, like, it kind of speaks to that whole thing that we saw in uh, yep. the Teddy Z episode where they're like, you gotta add an animal in there. You gotta. Like, it was great. Yeah. I was, I mean, the penguin is very cute. It's, it's a baby very, penguin. Very cute. cute. What yes. is their long term goal for having a baby penguin on the show? Is there gonna be a are they like yeah season five it's gonna be a full-grown emperor penguin just waddling around the set like what like are they gonna dress it in tina Majorino's like clothes and like you know are they gonna like is the show gonna be like an et thing where like she's bringing the penguin to school dressed up in like in like pearls and like glasses but it does not seem like something that's ethical for someone who is a marine biologist to like have a penguin in their fucking Oh, yeah, I felt bad for the penguin. I was just like, yeah. it's, and not, like it's not happy here. Suburban home. Yeah, I don't know a lot about the correct ecosystem for raising a penguin in captivity, but I know it's not suburban living room. I, yeah. I know it. Yeah, I know it's not sitcom house. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it also seemed like there were definitely notes to be like, oh, we got to get Ricky dating. We got to we got to get a like a love interest in there. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, this plot like there is, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. this doctor she had- that she has the hots for and not like a hospital doctor, like a biologist doctor uh, that yes. she works with at the aquarium or SeaWorld or wherever the hell they work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm glad that you made that Teddy Z reference because one of my notes <laughs> is the construct of this show feels a little inorganic, a little Teddy Z network notes-ish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So it, in this episode, just to sum it up for folks, she it, we focus on Ricky's new job uh, and she has a hunky coworker that she's immediately smitten with. And she, you know, she kind of dances around on the propriety of dating somebody she works with, as well as, you know, she gets warned that, oh, he's really broken from a past breakup, which doesn't really ever come back into play, but it's a big thing. Uh, and it also, you know, comes in where she's like, her only, I feel bad for this person. She doesn't really have a lot of friends. So her sounding board are, uh, you know, Danielle and Beth. Yes. Like, why her... was she taking advice from teenagers? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. But also, like, why were they, why were they also, like, giving her kind of sound advice? Like, yes. it wasn't, like, I was <laughs> like, why, why are they all on the same level here? <laughs> yes. It was very uh, contrived and like, like these teenagers were no, way too worldly. Yeah, no wonder nobody feels like she's uh, parenting well because like everybody is just uh, equal equal footing in this house, whether you're six years old or 30. Yeah, actually, one of the funny things about the premise of this show is that going back to the start, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be that all these teens like hanging out at her house because she's not like... Because she's younger and she has this laissez-faire attitude toward parenting. So they get to just, like, be themselves, right? Yeah. And, but the reality is that they're all, like, quite mature and well-behaved. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, what <laughs> difference does it make? They could be I hanging was, out in yeah. the house of, like, one of their other parents and it wouldn't make any difference because they're, they're all they're just, f- like, put together. They're and- free to be, they're free to be, like, the, their wild and crazy well-adjusted selves. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe this comes up in an episode we didn't see, but there's nothing from their personalities as presented that you're thinking, like, yeah, they're going to be, like, smoking weed and listening to loud music. And, like, you know, I was kind of picturing the sort of uh, the characters from that 70s show. That'd be a good example. Yeah. I guess I was kind of picturing characters like on that 70s show hanging out in the basement and getting up to stuff that their parents wouldn't approve of but like she's only 28 and she's okay with it because she's cool but none of that happens yeah and then they don't like comment on it you know what i mean like there's no at least from the episodes we saw like there's no like funny commentary it's like oh we could do whatever we want it's like but we don't really do anything like we are just so well behaved they're all just like mature and give good advice they're just nice kids. But again, I I know, like I keep harping on this, but again, I think it is an ABC thing. Like I think it is yeah. like, well, we can't, we got to sand off the edges. They can't be too bad. They got to be wholesome still. Like, and it's I think weird. That's what it it's is. It's weird because I, I, I could watch a million shows like this where I can't take the the Rachel Gunn RNs or the, I can't take the the edgy stuff from the 90s. Like this, I'm like, this is fine. It goes down nice and easy. But yeah. Yeah, anytime we get into any married with children territory, I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. Everybody's too mean. Hello, wonderful listeners and fans of this podcast. We want to hear from you. Go to anchor.fm slash that was a show and leave us a voice message and we might play it in a future episode. Or email us at thatwasashow at aol.com, our 90s era email address, and we might read your message. Our lines are open, so call right now. I have to say the whole uh, Ricky dating subplot, I found it Mm -hmm. amusing and relatable. Like, I found it very, like, relatable for, like, women who are maybe a little bit, like, awkward and, like, not as, um, Mm -hmm. uh, not as, like, assertive with dating and, like, kind of fumbling their way through it and having, like, the misunderstandings where they think it's a date, but it's not really a date. And, you know, you know, I, I found that like cute and, and relatable. I definitely 
you know, in my single days found myself mm-hmm. in that situation where it was like unclear or, you know, oh, I think this guy likes me, but really there's like another woman in the background and it's like, that's like a whole thing. Like I found it very cute and a good yeah. like, representation of someone who's like, doesn't go out and date that often. And, you know, is- it's a, yeah. It, yeah. It's well it's well it's well portrayed and it's a great showcase for like Mary Page Keller, whereas yeah. the episode mm-hmm. wasn't before. Yeah. Like this one, like she's, she's very good. funny. She's yeah. very funny in it, very physical. It's it's great. Yeah. yeah. She's good and uh, her command of her facial expressions is really top notch. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. she really sells a lot of her reactions to things like that. Yeah. Um, so the the hunky uh guy who's like the marine biologist or whatever he is. Whatever yeah. he is. Um, yeah. So I had to look up the actor's name because he's in everything. instantly recognizable. He's yeah. that guy who's in everything, but I didn't know his name. I feel like we should do like some sort of side episodes on these actors. But yeah. Kevin Kilner uh, yeah, has that's yeah, yeah has triple digit credits on IMDb, obviously, and um, I thought he was a really good counterpoint for her because the whole shtick of like he's been under the sea in some like uh, un- yeah. one of those uh single person like submarines like research crafts where he was like alone for seven months <laughs> under the yeah. sea or something is a really good like funny backstory to why he's kind of socially awkward and it makes mm-hmm. a good counterpoint to her. And uh, yeah, like I thought that actually worked pretty they well. Have, they have with him, they do a bit of this joke in the first episode too, whereas every time you learn more about him, it's like a little bit more and more ridiculous. Like yeah. first there's that and then she's like, oh, my penguin's sick. And then he's like, oh, that's okay. I lived in a penguin community for months. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, and then she's just like, I can't believe I still want to date this guy. But like, <laughs> yeah. the the first episode also has like this great, bit of silliness where they're all at the party and like they're talking about how awesome the party is and off camera they just keep being like oh yeah did you go did you get get yogurt from the yogurt machine oh did you go on the trampoline dude you got to try these go-karts oh my god look the basis from pearl jam is here and it's always just off camera but it's like keeps escalating to a silly i i I enjoy that it's weird because the more we're talking about it the mm. more I'm seeing that it actually was a clever show. Uh, yeah. But I, there's like something I, about it that in the moment I wasn't like picking up on all of these things, you know? It wasn't like grabbing me, yeah. you know? Well, you know, one thing I think might have been a lost opportunity with that Kevin Kilner character um, mm-hmm. is that there, there's a joke where like near the end of that, that episode, uh, she asks him to quit his job to avoid potential awkwardness. <laughs> and that was great. Uh, even though it's clearly like the awkwardness is not his fault, but like, he's like, okay, I guess that's fair. And then I looked it up and it's the only episode he's in. And they did produce three more episodes after this. So it seems like the character did quit his job. And I- No, no, no. Because that was a joke. And they also get together at the end of the episode. Yes, they get together at the end of the episode. But I checked and he's not in the next episode. Well, they just might not have written him in at that point. Yeah, I mean, maybe he would have come back had the series continued beyond episode 20. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like uh, what was maybe a missed opportunity is that I thought those two played off each other well. And I would have used that as a will they or won't they. In other words, I would not have had them get together at the end of that episode. Mm. I would have left it at this sort of awkward, maybe they like each other, the sort of kiss have yeah. them part ways and then i would have milked that for a good season season and a half because yeah he's funny they're good together my gut feeling about that is is that this might have been one of the only episodes that focused on ricky at work because you can't have that many plot lines so divorced from 90 percent of your cast like yeah good point they have to figure out a way to get the story back in the house because that's <laughs> yeah. where the characters that's are supposed so, to be the main premise yeah yeah i think this was a one-off like we yeah. see her in her new career i don't think we would have gotten a lot of her at work um yeah because this episode seems to set up a lot of jokes about her work so as they're they're getting them in mm. yeah, um fair point yeah, i think kilner would have come back i think so so the other uh, actor that we see in that scene at her work, who is a very recognizable 
figure. Uh, Don Lake had to look his name up too, but he's also in a million things. And yeah. uh, I, I always enjoy his his presence in a scene like this. He was funny. Like that was a funny character, you know? Especially because when he shows up, you're like, oh, he's going to be like, uh, you, we've just watched so many of these bad 90s sitcoms that I'm like immediately cringing about her like older male coworker. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, he's just also goofy and, and nice too. So never mind. He's fine. <laughs> yeah. I liked that little beat where they were taught. He was like telling her some war stories, basically. And she was like, what was Flipper like? <laughs> <laughs> All of those really, all of all of that really played for me because yeah. like they're not they're just like I love the awe they gave all of the the yeah. all of yeah. those characters yeah. in their work they're all so into it and I yeah. I thought that was well, a nice and then he's like change. oh you got to write a memoir and and then he's like one day one Rick. day. And one apparently day. his job is like in charge of feeding the animals. And he made a <laughs> reference to one of these famous celebrity uh, animals liking a certain type of fish. Oh, it was Flipper. It was Flipper. Flip, Flipper, Flipper like, he likes different types smelts of smelts or something. Oh, or, yeah. he, likes, yeah. he likes Alaskan oh, smelt. Boy. Likes... <laughs> so that was kind of funny. I also really like, it's hard to even talk, explain because you'd have to just watch the scene. But there's this awkward bit of physical comedy that is played out in the office where she is talking to hunky Kevin Kilner and like talking him into like asking somebody out at work. And then she's waiting for him to ask her out and he doesn't. And it keeps, and she just kind of keeps backing up out of the room, waiting for him to ask her out and like, kind of like keeps like angling back in and be like, no, are you going to say so? No. Okay. Turns and away just, and then looks back as if, oh, did I hear you say? No, I didn't hear you say It goes on for like a minute and a half and it could not be like a better bit of physical comedy. Yeah. <laughs> My last note was basically about wardrobe. I just wanted to know oh, if, uh, yeah. I mean, you in particular, Bryn, if you had an opinion on uh, <laughs> particularly like Beth and Melissa's giant hats, like yeah. giant 90s hats I and mean, stuff like that. it was like the, the Blossom era. Yeah. So you had yeah. a lot of uh, flipped up brim hats with like a sunflower on them. Like yeah. <laughs> it was like a lot of hats. It was a lot of a like- lot of hats. The Melissa character of- was wearing the biggest beret I have ever seen. Yes. Yes, it was like a lot of girls with like that feathered parted hair in the front and like a flipped up hat. Like, it, <laughs> you know, lots of like gingham little like dresses. And it was it was a very 90s, maximum 90s fashion moment. Dorf, uh, Dorfman, too. Oh, Dorfman yeah. has a lot of like Backwards, 90s boy. baseball caps. Big shirt over top of other shirt. Yeah, like lots of layered shirts and Well, yeah. and I feel like we really should mention the gag that does recur where Dorfman skateboards toward the door of the house and expects someone to just open the door at the last <laughs> moment and in the pilot they do and he like slides in on a skateboard and kick flips yeah. it up and then I forget if this was a callback later in the pilot or if this was in episode 17 where she doesn't open the door and he crashes into the door. Yep. Yep. I completely missed that. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I enjoyed that. But that is uh, cute. Yeah. Another reason for me to suspect that he's a Kramer yeah. inspired character. He's a, he's a, he's absolutely, you know what? I'll give it to you. He's a, yeah, he's a Kramer. <laughs> he's a neighbor. You know, he's a wacky neighbor. He's much more likable than, than an Urkel. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's so funny that after all of this, we didn't talk a lot about Jerry O'Connell and like I kind of wa- I like I love Jay Moore. So I was like, oh, Jay Moore. But I was also like, oh, young Jerry O'Connell. This could yeah. be fun. And he's just he, he's fine. He just kind of he's he good. He but he just he's serves, always good. Yeah. He, yeah. He just serves that like Jerry O'Connell. I'm like the leading boy. He was like the leading boy of the 90s. You know, it's funny because you could easily. He's like you your easily... Kirk Cameron. He's like your. Yeah. He's like the. Oh, I'm the the kind of cute like leading boy who's the like anchor of the crew. You could easily switch them. Yes. Like you could have Jay Moore as yeah. the as the, the level headed one, and you could have Jerry O'Connell as the dumb yeah. friend. Yeah. Would be just as fine. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into six degrees of friends. 
Yes, let's. All right. So, yeah, I mean, this one was, it was actually, it was kind of interesting, right? So there are two um, different uh, two degree separations between mm-hmm. Camp Wilder and Friends. The first one, okay, it might, you guys might not like it, but I'll explain why. So when we first started this podcast, I was doing the Six Degrees of Friends a little bit more liberally where I was like, okay, literally any movie that someone was in, like anything, whether it's a movie or TV show, if they co-star with a Friends star, it counts. Then we kind of like made it a little more strict and we were like, okay, it has to be sitcoms. But for this first one, it's through Jay Moore. So the two degree separation is basically Jay Moore played Dorfman on Camp Wilder, as everyone knows by now. Uh, He also co-starred with Jennifer Aniston in the movie Picture Perfect. Okay. And then obviously Jennifer Aniston played Rachel Green on Friends. So that's two degrees. The reason I felt okay about this connection is because that was basically her first movie. Uh, well, not her first movie, but it was very much like kind of like a <laughs> spiritual um, connection to Friends. Like it was very much the same tone of Friends. Like she was basically Rachel Green, but in a movie. Yeah. So I count it. <laughs> I, I have no problem with that. I don't think we've ever said you can't use movies. It's just we're like, stop using Maybe the same direct- Aaron. <laughs> it was just don't use... Don't use don't use directors. Yeah, you're I, saying. I, I would yeah. say, uh, yeah, my opinion on that wavers. Sometimes I feel it like it's very the same era as yeah. our movies. Sometimes so. I feel like it's more pure to keep it to sitcoms, but I'm okay with movies. Eh. I, yeah. I think my biggest thing was that it be through the cast as opposed through to yes. writers or producers or directors and stuff like that. At anyway, at any rate, he was her co-star. I feel like that might have been one of. You know, it wasn't his first movie, but it was like one of the things where he got to be kind of a leading man where he's like the romantic. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 It, it's it's kind of a cute movie. Um, But anyway. Yeah. And then the other two degree separation is through Mary Page Keller, who, of course, played Ricky Wilder on Camp Wilder. Um, She had a recurring role on Sybil. <laughs> Oh, okay. Nice. Nice. Uh, Alongside Dee Dee Pfeiffer. And as we established in a previous episode, Dee Dee Pfeiffer guest starred on Friends. Nice. Yeah. Woo. That's good. Uh, Actually, to be honest, when you said like you you may not, you guys may not like you uh, thought this? it was going to be a mad about you. I thought it was going to be a mad about yeah. you, but I, I didn't. It, inc- I was like, <laughs> as long right. as it's not Phoebe Buffay, I'll be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. Thought we were going right to Ursula Buffay and Phoebe Buffay. Yeah. All right. And so the spinoff, I mean, this one, it was like, okay, it's a stacked cast. It's full of like very, very successful performers, um, one of which has an Oscar. So it's like it was kind of wrote itself. Um, I will just, you know, I'll start with the show's creator. Why not? Matthew Carlson. He is a very prolific like showrunner, producer, writer. Um, soon after this show, he actually created Townies, which we covered in a previous episode. Um, we all know the fate of Townies, but, you know, he he still went on to do lots of other stuff. He also worked on Malcolm in the Middle, which was like a very successful show, um, in the late 90s, early 2000s. And, you know, he's worked steadily since. Um, fun fact, he's currently working on a Mighty Ducks series (laughs) for the Disney Channel. That's starring Emilio Estevez as Gordon Bombay from the <laughs> movies and Lauren Graham, who he worked uh, with on Townies. So it's kind of funny. You, so it's like very go. 90s, like, you know, and very mm-hmm. uh, like family friendly 90s. You know, he's like, oh, this is what I know. So, <laughs> well, we are in the golden age of the 90s reboot. Yeah, exactly. I think that that, that show's going into a, into a second or third season. I now, think it probably. is. Yeah. So he's currently working on that. Um, so of the main cast, Megan Halderman and Margaret Langrick seem to have kind of retired from acting like they were they seem to be part of that trend of a lot of young actors in the 90s who were in all kinds of stuff in the 90s. They were in all kinds of stuff as 
children and as teens and then they just kind of were like all right i'm done <laughs> mm -hmm. i got my like acting money for all these years and now i'm gonna go off and do what i really want to do with my life that's kind of what it seems to be the case for them i mean Bryn, i love how optimistic you are where you're like they chose not to work anymore whereas well, really maybe they just weren't getting hired anymore <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But I'm trying to be positive, Barry. I was like, that is such a that is such a nice way of looking at it. We're like, yeah, they decided they were done. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and as everyone knows, Hilary Swank went on to star in several motion pictures. Her first breakout role in films was uh, the next Karate Kid. So she played the girl uh, Karate Kid. Probably um, been like a year after this. Yes, exactly. Like a year after her stint on Camp Wilder. Um, and then, you know, of course, she did um, the film Boys Don't Cry, Million Dollar Baby. And most recently, she was in The Hunt. Tina Majorino, somebody who I remember a lot from childhood. She was in everything. Like she was I like one of those I kid actors. I love her. She kind of took off after this show. So she became a big movie star of a child actor um, starring in Corinna, Corinna, Andre, which was a favorite of mine as a kid. I really liked that, the, where she was with a seal. So she got to act with a penguin and then a seal. So it's kind of exciting. Lucky. And uh, and Waterworld. So she was in like, <gasps> famously, she was the kid in Waterworld. Oh my God, you're right. Yes. And then, so she was in those movies like back to back to back. So she was mm -hmm. like a big star back then. And then she sort of like, you know, she was in a few more things throughout the 90s. And then she sort of like disappeared for a few years and then reappeared in Napoleon Dynamite. Mm -hmm. It was kind mm -hmm. of one of those things where, you know, everybody saw Napoleon Dynamite when it came out. It was like such a big movie. And it was like she reappeared. I was like, oh, yeah, Tina Majorino. <laughs> yeah. She like yeah. reappeared. I was like, what happened to her? She's back. And then she was like in several other things after that. And she's still working. You know, she's still got credits from like 2020. Oh, so she was uh, she she ended up playing Veronica Mars's best friend yes. for most for most of that show. Yeah. Uh, she was on Big Love. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So she got some good roles again. So, but it, she maybe she took a break to be in school. I don't know. But she like had this like weird kind of like four or five year gap where it was like, oh, she was like this big star and then she kind of disappeared and then reappeared. So it's interesting. And then, of course, we have our friend uh, Jay Moore, who, again, another like person who I find like a comfort because he was mm -hmm. in everything that I watched in the 90s. <laughs> so after his time on Camp Wilder, he briefly joined the cast of SNL. So it's kind of weird because you mentioned he was in like MTV shows. So he's had like a wild career. Like he was like kind of this probably like, you know, young personality on MTV. And somebody like Matthew Carlson was probably like, oh, he's kind of a cool, charming young guy. Let's put, put him in the sitcom. And then mm -hmm. someone saw that and we were like, oh, let's put him in SNL. So he definitely had some presence that people really responded to at that time. And then he kind of became the king of like 90s, like, I don't know, like comedies. So he was in like well, a lot a, of movies. Well, he's a, a stand-up too. So Yes, yes. Like he has like a charm to him. So... Um, you know, some of his like memorable roles were like Jerry Maguire, Picture Perfect, which I already mentioned, Suicide Kings, Go and Pay It Forward. And then he also starred in the short lived series Action, which was another uh, Jonathan Wolf uh, <laughs> um, sitcom. So which we have to cover, which we will definitely yeah, cover. We will. We'll, we'll cover. We'll yeah. cover. And it. he's still going strong. Um, Jerry O'Connell who was already a certified child star, having done several movies, and he had several, like, you know, shows under his belt. Like, he was, like, you know, he had Stan My Secret Identity and, like... Stan yeah. Stand By Me. Yes, yeah, he was already a star. And, you know, Camp Wilder being a flop didn't slow him down at all. You know, he's... I'm not going to list all of his credits because there's a lot, but I'll just shout out some recent ones that I enjoyed. Um, he was on the very amazing uh, Quibi series that no one has seen called Flipped with uh, Caitlin Olsen and uh, Will Forte. And he basically played like him and his real wife, Rebecca Romaine, were um, basically this one of these like HGTV couples 
that would like flip houses. And Caitlin Olsen was like very her character is very jealous of them and tries to like be a rival of them in her own series. But she's like just terrible. Um. So yeah. So R.I.P. Quibi. Like that was actually like a really fun short format series. And then he's also made several appearances on Drunk History, which are are, are very fun. That's fun. But you know, it's Jerry O'Connell. He's everywhere, anywhere, and everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, like Jerry O'Connell, Mary Page Keller did not slow down after Camp Wilder. She's worked very steadily since the '90s, and you know her most. Recent credit is a recurring role on Pretty Little Liars. Mind you, that show ended back in 2017, so we haven't seen much of her uh, since then. But, you know, who knows? You know, she's still like will probably pop up in other things because she's a very talented performer. And that's all I got. That's all right. That was a good one. That was they all. It they was all a had lot. A lot of- they all had a lot of fun stuff. I, yeah, I get a I get a kick out of uh, I was just thinking about it. I was like, oh, that's weird. Jerry O'Connell and Jay Moore, uh, they were both in Jerry Maguire together. Yeah. And that, and then I was like, wait, that was only three years after this. Which is wild see- because they're playing yeah. teenagers. <laughs> they're playing teenagers. Yeah. And then like Jay Moore is so three years later, like Jay Moore playing like a hotshot age, like a hotshot agent who yeah. like steals Jerry O'Connell from Jerry Maguire. Uh, and it's so funny to see how different they both are three years down the line from this. Yeah. Um, and for anybody out there, uh, who misses Quibi? Roku picked up all their stuff, so oh, it's they all did. On, oh. It's all on. It's all That's on cool. Roku now, guys. Yeah, there's some. There was some really good stuff on Quibi. I have to say, I really enjoyed the show Dummy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which was like, uh, like starring That's Anna Kendrick. Kendrick. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It it's quite good. So let's check in with our good buddy, Mister Producer, and uh, I guess see if he has any thoughts to add on this. Do we have to? Yes, yes. Hello, Aaron. Hi, uh, Mr. Producer. Ah, I got that who calls me ID. See why I knew it was you. Ah, yes, yes, yes. You told me that last time. No, no, I I really don't think so. So What are you little guys doing on your little radio show this week? We're talking about Camp Wilder. Ah, yes, that Matty Carlson project. Interesting little show. Did you know anyone who worked on it? Well, sure I did, because I was one of them. You worked on this one. I sure did, kid. The studio brought me in to do some cleanup (laughs) mid-season. Let's just say I had some notes. Oh, really? What kind of things? Uh, You know, I I bet I even got some of them around here. Let me uh, me look for them. Oh, I don't need the actual notes. I just... Jeremy, bring me my 1992 box. (laughs) The file, Mr. Producer? No, no, the box. The box. There's a file. There's a box in a bag. They all say 1992 on them. Ah, it's a big year, kid. Get out. Ah, hold on a second. Let me go see what's going on back there. Maybe I should call back. Ah, oh, he sounds like he's got it. Aaron, I'm confused. Is he in an office or just an old apartment? I, I don't know. I've never met him in person. <sighs> what? No, no, no. That, that one's just my pickle recipes. How many different pickle recipes could there even be? I think we should just hang up, guys. He'll, he'll be back. He'll be back. I've got another podcast to record in like a half hour, guys. Really? Which one? I, I lied. I, I, I have nothing. <laughs> All right. Sorry about that, kid. I got my notes right here. That kid, I swear, that Jeremy, he's going to be the death of me. Oh, uh, well, thank you. You really didn't have to go to all that trouble. It's no trouble, kid. It was in the box, the 1992 box. Okay, let's see here. What do we got here? Uh... Ah, <laughs> okay. Camp Wilder retooling notes by Anthony Producer. Okay, uh, here we got here. Uh, January 16th, 1993. And what does it say here? It says, uh, uh, ah, this show needs a penguin. (laughs) Oh, that was you? What else? That's it. That's it? Yeah. How much did they pay you for that? (laughs) A lot. All right, well, uh, do either of you have any final thoughts on the show? Barry, I know you said that you uh, quite liked this show. Anything else to add? I mean, I, let's just put, let's take the word quite out and just say, I liked it. I, I found it very easy to watch because I like all these people and they were kind of funny. But uh, my final thought is Camp Wilder, more like Camp Milder. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand why it was called Camp Wilder. I, yeah, it was. Is the implication it was, that it's like, oh, it's fun. It's like summer camp at this house. Yeah. I don't the know. the, the yeah. thing that I read in a description of the show was that the 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 teenagers nicknamed her house Camp Wilder because it's this place where they go to hang out and somehow be very mild. Yeah. <laughs> at least they called it that because then I knew their name was Wilder because I don't think they ever say their name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I've kind of come around a little bit like, like you did, Bryn, uh, in discussing the show and thinking like maybe... Maybe I like this better than my initial reaction when I was watching it, like deconstructing some of the things that they were trying to do. I feel like given a little bit more runway to sort a few of the inconsistencies out uh, and maybe t to like develop the, the humorous side of things a little bit more. But like given that they only aired 19 episodes and we only watched a couple of them, like, yeah, if, if this show had been given more time it could have it might have been okay developed into something yeah. i'd i'd want to watch uh yeah i mean like you said like T tgif shows that kind of family friendly sitcom where there's a certain degree of moralizing built in was never yeah. something i gravitated to hugely but like yeah i like the cast i like some of the things they were doing i i could have definitely uh watched a lot more of uh ricky wilder's life outside of tending to the teenagers if i'm being honest yeah yeah absolutely um yeah like let's put it this way this aired with step by step this is much <laughs> right. this is much much better than step by step yeah it is truly <laughs> i'll give you that yeah <laughs> low bar i know but step by step was on forever <laughs> yeah and cut to credits That Was a Show is created and hosted by Bryn Burney, Andrew Barry Helmer, and myself, Aaron Yeager. It's a production of Radio Gizmo in Toronto, Canada. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Follow us on Instagram and tell your friends about it. That Was a Show? Radio Gizmo.